We have a subject here. I would need about three hours for this sermon this afternoon, and I don't have it. But it's on regeneration, regeneration. And under the subtitle on this thing is how to get a new life. This is absolutely amazing. And the, the main text would come out, this word is used in the main text, Titus 3, 5. And uh, here we have the word saved. Do you recognize that word? I've just preached two sermons on that. Uh, he saved us. All right, now this explains, gives us an explanation. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, not even good works. Not the best of works we do, okay? But according to his mercy, that's divine compassion. Mercy is compassion. By the washing of regeneration. Notice the two words, regeneration and renewing. Those are twin sisters. They're synonyms. Renewing by what? By good works. No, by the Holy Spirit of God. It's a work of God in the lives of people. So we have two glorious synonyms. The word regeneration means to bring to life again or to rebirth. It really means a repeat of Genesis. The beginning, it's a renewal. It's a, it's a, it's a new beginning, a new Genesis uh, that happens in the life of an individual. So you have that word describing our salvation. And then the, the next one, and he calls, talks about the renewing by the Holy Spirit, well, that word means to renew into its original condition, which means that something bad has happened to the original condition. What was the original condition of Adam and Eve? Now, you're awake. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Okay. So, now, Adam and Eve were not created sinless. Does that surprise you? They were created innocent. They would have become sinless had they rejected the lies and deceptions of the devil. But they became sinners. From a state of innocence, they went into a state of sinfulness. They never made the righteousness part. Okay? They never got there. They were innocent. They had, they had not transgressed. They had not been the origin of anything wrong. They were innocent, but they had not made their choice. And when they made their choice to sin, then all of the wrongs and offspring got their sinful disposition, and we are a part of that. And so we ask the question, do I really need a new genesis or a new life? Do I need to be renewed as an individual to original condition? When you look at the culture of the day, here and around the world, does it reflect the original condition? Or does it reflect something terrible that's happened to humankind as they kill each other, they destroy each other, they do all of these things as human beings that are unthinkable? So do I really need a new life? Well, I, my parents had to correct me. I was not born in sinlessness. I got angry. I had a temper. I lied. I hit my brothers and sisters. I fought. You didn't do that, of course. You did not do that. 
My mother, my mother and father did not have to teach me how to do wrong. They didn't have to teach me how to sin. I knew how to do that. They had to teach me how to do right. I didn't know about that. Is that right? Every one of us, contrary to what we originally wanted to do, we'd throw the food all over the... I mean, what would children be if you... Well, some of them are like that today. So, do I really need a new life? And what is it that I need? Well, by nature, we're all sinners. To sin here in Romans 3.23 means to miss the mark. All have missed the mark. What's the mark? The mark is what we should be. The mark is what God requires to get into his kingdom. Because if we get into his kingdom like it is now, his kingdom is going to be just as much a hell on earth as it is now. Yes or no? You've got to have new subjects in a new kingdom. Is that right? And so, so by sinners, we've all sinned, come short of the glory of God. Ephesians 2 We are alive to sin and dead to God. This is very, very interesting. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. What a way to begin the chapter. Chapter 1 talks about all the glorious things God has done to us in his salvation. But he said, this is how you started out. Dead. You were dead to God. You were alive to sin. All right, you're still awake. About three of you are. Okay. You go back to the Garden of Eden, okay? And Adam and Eve are in that garden, and the serpent has not shown up yet. And God is talking to Adam, and he says, there are two two trees in the middle of this garden. One is the tree of life, and the other is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, he said, every tree of the garden, every tree, there are a lot of trees, a lot of fruit trees. Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but... There is this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the very day... Now, now, you're awake yet? Come on, don't miss this. The very day you eat from it, you are most certainly going to die. The Hebrew text, dying, you will die. It's the certainty of death. Okay, now my question is, they ate of that fruit of the tree. Adam and Adam lived to a ripe old age of 930 years. Did God tell them the truth? Well, they did not die physically that day, did they? Eventually they died physically. But there was a part of them that died immediately. That part of them, that nature that enabled them to know God one on one. Their spiritual, their spirit died. That's why when you're born, you don't know who God is. You don't know where he is, what he is. You pray to God, he's somewhere, somewhere. That's where, where our, all of our religious friends are. They're praying to somewhere, some, someone, somewhere. They don't know who he is. They don't know where he is. It's totally impersonal because as long as you're dead spiritually, you can't know God personally. Got that? Okay. That's where we come to being born again. How do you get this spiritual life back? You were born dead, according to Ephesians, okay? Here's another thing about us when we're born. Capital letter C, in which you formerly walked. This is according to the course of this age. That's the culture in which we live, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan himself living under his leadership. The spirit that's now working in sons of disobedience. That's our condition. Now, how do you get from that condition to this other condition? Can you reform a corpse? 
Try it. Try it. You can't reform a corpse. Try by reformation. Reformation, doing your best, righteous, good works, does not bring spiritual life back to you. You're still dead. That's the problem that you've got in trying to become religious and get to heaven by good works. We are children of wrath. Ephesians 2.3, among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We were by nature, that is naturally, natural birth characteristics. We were children of wrath, even as everybody else. We were in the same boat with all humanity. We were, we were not an exception. We were sons of this age, of the culture. And Luke, his master, praised the unrighteous manager because he acted shrewdly for the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. We were born as sons of this age. F, children of the devil, birthed into the wrong family. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor does the one who does not love his brother. And in Matthew... The field is the world. That's where the sower went out to sow. As for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom, and the tares are the sons of the evil one, the wicked one, the very wicked one, the perniciously wicked one. Top of page two. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites. You travel around on sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell. Wow as you. Wow. And Paul, talking to the woman that was following them and demonized, said, you who are full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? And our problem and our difficulty is this, if we are honest, we are unable, totally unable, to revise the fact that we were born sinners. There's no way we can revise that. Something supernatural has to intervene, and if it doesn't, there's no way in and of ourselves that we can change that fact. Romans seven eighteen, I know, and the word know there is the Greek word oida, I grasp, I think this thing through, and I figured it out. I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for the willing, that is, the desire is present in me, but the doing of good is not. This is my difficulty. Those who are in the flesh, that next verse, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. It is not possible. It's not within the realm of possibility. They cannot And that word cannot is the word to be able. It's from dunamis, which means power or ability or capacity uh, of strength. We cannot please God. We don't have the capacity to do that. Jeremiah said, well, can the Ethiopian change his skin? No. Can the leper change his spots? No. Can you also do good who are accustomed to doing evil? No. That's the problem. The heart is more deceitful than everything else desperately sick. Who can understand it? So we're stuck. Without divine intervention, without divine enablement, there is no way that you and I, apart from being born again, 
Why did Jesus tell a religious man? Because a religious man is just as much a sinner as a non-religious man. Yes or no? Being religious does not change any of this. It changes none of this. Saying prayers does not change your nature. Am I right about that? How many prayers have you prayed? Still got a problem? Yeah. Okay. So it does, it just, that just does not work. So how does God provide a totally new and transformed life? So we'll take this text in Titus. Are you still awake? Read along, please. Read the text. Don't just listen to me. Uh, the pastor this morning in his message hit on a very, very important part. If you want to have convictions, you'll never get them by listening to somebody else's convictions. You'll only get them by personally listening to God and his word. That's the only place it'll come from. He was right on the target with that. Okay? So I encourage you, fasten your eyes on the text. Get what you think. Get, get your thinking established by what God says and not what you hear the preacher say. Titus 3.1, remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. For we also once, now notice this, were foolish ourselves, disobedient, notice these words, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our lives in malice and envy, Hateful, hating one another, but, 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 I just love that. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, and that word love for mankind is the Greek word for philanthropy. It's philos, love, and, 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 and andros, which is man, philanthropy, his love for mankind, his philanthropy. Look this way for just a moment. You know, when God thinks of us and when God desires for us, it is always out of his goodwill and philanthropy. It is amazing. When you look in Ephesians 1, before God says you were dead in sin and you were committed to the devil and you were children of wrath, he says that, that, that God's goodwill toward you, good pleasure, God did this according to his own good pleasing, his own good pleasing. That's the goodness of his own will toward us. Let me tell you, as a Christian, God is just as interested in your victory over sin as you are. He is just as interested in your blessing, your spiritual prosperity and spiritual power as you are. God is not disposed toward us in suspicion and anger. The cross means nothing if that were true. Remember that God loves you. Somebody told me, and I don't know who it was, Jesus loves me, this I know. What a wonderful song, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but we are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. This whole thing gets changed because God loves sinners. The philanthropy of God. Just, 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 that's a, just an amazing statement. The kindness of God are what? Saving one, rescuing one. The kindness of God our rescuer. And his philanthropy 
toward mankind appeared. How did it appear? It appeared in the person of Jesus Christ and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's, that's, where, that's the reference point here. So in verse number 5, fix your eyes now on the text again if you can find it. We're looking at verse number 5. God saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, his compassion, by the washing of what? Regeneration. That's regenesis, a new genesis. And renewing, a restoration to a former condition, a renewing by the Holy Spirit of God, which means it's a divine, supernatural work. Notice verse 6, whom he, the Holy Spirit, was poured out on us, what? Sparingly? Richly. Why? Because God wants us to enjoy a rich and full ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's God's desire for his people. You see. Through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, how in the world do you get a new life then? You need a new life. Apart from a new life, you're never going to make it. Here we have again, and let's just review this quickly, the the description of our original natural, that's our birth condition in verse 3. So notice these words. We were foolish, not using the mind. We were thoughtless and foolish. We refused to be persuaded. We were disobedient and stubborn. We were stubborn in our refusal to, to heed the voice of God. We were led astray. We were deceived. We were enslaved to many kinds of evils, passions, and pleasures. Go to page 5. We were spending our life at the top of the page in malice and envy. Hateful, detesting one another. This was our original condition. So how God responded in love for humanity that's in his philanthropy and in the calling of being quality of being helpful or beneficial, beneficial his goodness, kindness, and generosity. And how did he respond? By saving us, by rescuing us. A personal rescue operation by God himself. Now, How he specifically did not do this, not out of works of righteousness, which we have done, but, but, according to his compassion. That's how he did this. Through a washing of regeneration, regenesis, renewal, to, to to birth again, to birth again another time. And that's where Jesus was going with Nicodemus. You must be born again. It is a washing of new birth, new beginning, new genesis. Or it is renewal to a higher existence by the influence of a new life, which is implanted in dead people. I should have put that in there. A new life implanted in dead people. Spiritually dead people. So it is a recreation, it is a renewal, it is the restoration of the thing or person to its original state through the washing of regeneration. We do not get better by trying to be better. We get better by the work of God in our lives. And as believers, it involves, it involves the ingestion of God's word into our hearts and our minds the work of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. 
Now, in classical Greek, this word regeneration, uh, in the Stoic sense, was the opposite of to be consumed with fire. Uh, it was a total renewal. It was a return from banishment or re- rejuvenation. Also, do you remember what happened after the flood? What happened after, after the flood? You don't, generally, you don't think of it in these terms. But after the flood, how much of creation was renewed, of the, of the world anyway? It was all renewed. Remember? Everything that died, and, and then things began to grow, and it was all new. It was new the second time. There was a reconstitution of the world after the flood. There's going to be, this is going to happen again. Matthew 19, Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you that it followed me in the regeneration. When the man, Son of Man shall sit in his glorious throne, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. What's going to happen is God is going to make a new heaven and a new earth. There's a regeneration that is coming. And what God does is God takes a ruined life, a life ruined by sin and lost to sin, and he gives it his life. The life of Jesus Christ. Literally, the life of Jesus. When I receive the Lord Jesus into my heart and life, his life is literally implanted in my heart and in my life. And when that begins to grow, it's called growing in grace, then my life becomes transformed from the inside out. It's like a barren earth from the flood and the seeds that are left planted, they begin to sprout and they grow, and there is new life that comes. The Christian life is not a life that we live. It's a life that we allow to grow in us in the person of Christ, through the person of the Holy Spirit, through his ministry. The idea here in the word regeneration, word point number four, look at your notes, please. Man originally enjoyed his his specific kind of life, total innocence, without sin. Something happened to remove or damage that which was originally given. With the result, Ephesians 2, 1, you were dead in your trespasses and sin, which informally you walked. Ephesians 2, 5, Even when we were dead in our transgressions, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been rescued. You've been saved. See, that which was originally given is restored once again. Look at the bottom of this and see if you can digest this, underline this. Regeneration is the communication of divine life to the soul. The importation, the implantation, you could put in there if you want, of a new nature and the production of a new creation. Page four, there is a restoration of the image of God in man. God is not to be made in man's image, but man becomes made now in God's image. We sang that song before the message, Oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer. That happens by the implantation of the work of Jesus Christ, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He renewed us by the Holy Spirit. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. It means new in time, new in nature. There's something new that happens. Something happened when he saved me. It happened in my heart. Things are different now since I've been saved. 
there is a new life within me and a new nature within me. Therefore, the word regeneration means to make new in nature again, to restore to a new condition. How far have we got to go here? Okay. Okay. This word regeneration, it happens to us and we don't understand it. How many of you, when you got saved, you were thrilled and excited and you thought the sin problem was gone forever? Isn't that what we think? Hallelujah! It's over! I'm saved! Right? No hell, it's heaven now! I'm heaven bound! Okay? Okay? And then all of a sudden, we wake up, and by the way, this is why discipleship will be such a blessing to you. There's a chapter in in our discipleship on the confession of sin. You need to know what to do with that sin that, that, that plagues you in your life so that you can go on with joy and victory and confidence in your life. You need to know how to handle that thing, and there is a way. There is a way to do that as a believer. But the thing that you find is that when you get saved, that sin that used to be just so natural and acceptable and okay and enjoyable, now you don't want it. You want it gone. That's one of the great evidences of salvation is that, is that, that once you thrived on sin and now you have an aberration towards sin and that's in your notes here. There's a totally different relationship with sin once you get saved. It's not that you don't sin. It's that you don't want to. <laughs> you know, how many of you would be glad if you never had to sin again in your life? Wouldn't that be wonderful? That would be wonderful. Wow. Wow, wow. So, so, how, what does regeneration involve? All right, it revolves, and it, it, it is in Jesus being, or as Jesus said, a new birth. Let's look at the notes. John 3, 3. Are you there? Roman numeral number 3 on page 4. Jesus answered and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless somebody's born the second time, born again, rebirthed, regenesis. He cannot see the kingdom of heaven. The word means giving birth and repetition a second time. Unless you are given birth a second time, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. You don't have have the heart for the kingdom of God until you get saved. You can't have a heart for righteousness until you get saved because you have a wrong relationship to sin until you repent and you have a new birth. Does this make sense to you? This involves then, you'll notice, the communication of divine life to the soul. Jesus again answered, truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. There's got to be a second birth. Water is the first birth. John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have what? What? Life and that they might have it how? Abundantly. But that will never happen unless you have a change of heart a new heart is put in you. 1 John 5.11, the testimony is this, God has given to us eternal life, and this life is where? In his Son. Now read on, read on, underline that last verse in that text. He who has the Son, who is the Son? Jesus. He who has the Son has the life. He who has not the Son of God does not have the life. 
So one gets born again by receiving the Lord Jesus. You have the Son. He lives in you. This is a new life implanted. But how does it get implanted? He doesn't barge his way into your life. He comes by invitation. By invitation. And so, so we get a new life in Christ. So B, there's a new nature. Notice Second Peter 1. By these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become what? Partakers. And that word partakers is the word fellowship. It means having something in common with somebody else. You might become partakers of the divine nature. You might share the divine nature with the one who lives in you, the Lord Jesus Christ. Having escaped what? The corruption that is in the world by lust. There's the implantation of a new heart. Jeremiah 24, 7. I will give them a heart to know me. Notice that. God says, I will what? Give them. If God doesn't give it, you don't get it. Okay? I will give them a heart to what? Know me. For I am Yahweh. They will be my people. I will be their God. They will return to me with what? Their whole heart. Their whole heart. And Ezekiel eleven nineteen. I will give them, notice that again, one heart. I will put a new spirit within them. I will take the heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them. Then they will be my people. I shall be their God. Until there's a change of heart and life on the inside, nothing else works its way out. That is absolutely not possible. A repeat of this on the top of page 5. Moreover, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. That is a heart that is responsive to God. Look this way for a moment. If you have never been saved, this church will have nothing to your being saved. We'll we'll have nothing to do with it. This pastor will have nothing to do with it. It will be by personally taking into your life the Savior the life of Jesus Christ. You receive the life of Jesus Christ in the person of Jesus Christ. If you have him, you have new life. If you don't have him, you don't have new life. There's no way by baptism or communion that you can get there. That will never take you there. There's no way by works of righteousness you can ever get there. It will not take you there. The best illustration, and it's kind of a crude illustration, If you've not grown up on a farm, you don't know so much about pigs, maybe. But you can take a pig, and and you can put him in the bathtub, and you can scrub him down with a brush, and you can clean him up until he smells, and you can, you know, smells clean and beautiful, and you can perfume him and put rouge on his cheeks and a ribbon around his neck. But the first mud hole he sees, away we go. That's because he's a pig. Now try to do that to a sheep. They got a different heart. 
And the problem is, if you want to clean your life up, you can't do it by works of righteousness. It comes from the work of the Holy Spirit within you in the person of Jesus Christ. And it's a growth process. It's a growth process. There's day by day, sin by sin, battle by battle. I am going on 83 years old in a few days, if I live that long. And I want to tell you, I thought the battle would be over when I became 83 years old. I want to tell you, it never goes away. Heaven is about that. That's what heaven's about. But I want to tell you, the victories get more and sweeter, and the blessings of God become more abundant. You grow, grow, grow in grace. One day at a time, one battle at a time, one issue at a time. You grow in grace. So, how does it work? Well, I just said it. A is this, not on the basis of deeds which we have done. B, it's a wash basin, the washing of regeneration. This is not baptism. This is the work of the Holy Spirit of God. It is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit of God. Do you know what supernatural means? It means there's nothing in your natural life that can account for it or do it. It's the work of the Holy Spirit, the renewing of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus gave a picture, uh, an illustration of the wind. I'm down toward the end there on John 3, verse 5. John 3, verse 5, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Note the picture or illustration of the wind. Jesus answered, truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed. I said to you, you must be born again. Now, the wind blows wherever it wishes. You hear the sound of it. You can't see it. You don't know from where it comes. You don't know where it's going. It cannot be fully explained or understood in human terms. Being born again cannot be explained in terms of ordinary, natural human experience. It is a supernatural human experience. And that's the blessing of the whole thing. That's the glory of it all. That's the glory that tells us that the worst sinner in the whole world can be supernaturally transformed if he will come to Christ on God's terms. And God can take his life and implant in him a new life that he didn't have before and bring him to glorification in the day of Christ. That's the supernatural work. That's how it happens. It happens through the entrance of God's word into the heart and mind. Peter tells us, you've been born again, you've been birthed anew, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. The initiative is of God, page 6. The initiative is from God. John explains that who are births, this is talking about spiritual birth, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Out of God we have been begotten, or we have been given birth, is literally what that text tells us. And James, of the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we would be a, first, a kind of first fruits among his creatures. When it says he brought us forth, it means he gave birth to us. That's what the word is in the Greek language. So, regeneration, a supernatural work of God that alone can give us hope if we're sinners and not saved by God's grace.
This is the hope of a lost person, a person who has no hope in his life. How does regeneration affect my life and conduct? It produces a life committed to what is right. It produces a personal aversion to sin, and I have I've mentioned that. It produces a selfless life. If, if Those who have been born of God love. They love God and they love the brethren. And this is selfless living. It's not just an emotional kind of thing. I'm attracted to them and I like them. It is a selfless life of ministry toward God and toward God's people. That's a product of being rebirthed. Genuine love for other believers, overcoming the godless culture in which we live. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And his life is no longer committed to sinning. We know that one who is born of God, no one who is born of God sins, and that is practice a sin of habitual practice there in that text. He who was born of God keeps him, the evil one does not touch him. His life is no longer committed to sinning. He has a different relationship to sin than he had before he was saved. These are evidences of regeneration in my life. Now, have you been saved? Have you been genuinely saved? Regeneration takes place at the same time that Jesus enters your heart and life when you receive him. Being born again happens the same time. You are justified by faith. That justification by faith happens the moment, the same moment that you receive Christ as your Savior. The indwelling Holy Spirit begins at that very moment in time. It's a profound thing that happens when we are born again by God's Holy Spirit. A profound thing that happens in every dynamic of our personal life and being. Absolutely amazing, this salvation. The writer of Hebrews said, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? This is indeed a great salvation. This is not a religious experience. It goes beyond anything that a religious religious experience could produce in your heart and in your life life. Let's bow our heads for just a moment, please. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Have you been saved? Have you been born again? Have you been regenerated? Not are you living a perfect life, but God has God given you the heart for a perfect life? Has God given you a heart for what is right? Has God given you a heart for self-sacrifice in your life toward others and toward God? Has God given you a heart for these things? It's the heart for these things that is the regeneration. And when we get to glory, all the sin problems will be gone. But now, do we have a heart that responds to God? I will give a new heart to you. It's an amazing thing that happens when we're born again. And if you have never been saved, right at this moment, right where you're sitting, heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just cry out in a silent prayer, cry out to God, God, Save me, give me new birth today, give me regeneration today, and I realize the only way I get these is in the person of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, save me now, regenerate me now, birth me into the family of God now. I receive you as my Savior and Lord, here and now. Save me from my sin. 
Just cry out to him that way. And he will do exactly what you've asked him to do. And life will never be the same. It's a supernatural transformation by the power of God's wonderful Holy Spirit in our lives. Father, touch our hearts and our minds today. Oh, I ask you, dear Lord, may not one of us in this congregation today be in a condition of not being saved, not being regenerated, not being birthed into the kingdom of God by being born again by the Spirit of God. God, I pray, help us as believers now to live as a witness. May our lives show forth and evidence your, prayer, your praise to a lost, dying world, to a wicked culture. May we be lights shining in a dark world. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before we go on with the service, I have something personal that I need to share with you. On Thursday, I received a surprise call from my doctor. Uh, my, I've been having a little bit of discomfort in, in my legs and so on. And so I've been off to Kaiser and been taking some x-rays and blood work and so on. And my doctor informed me on Thursday. I'm, so it's new to me as well as new to you. But the doctor informed me on Thursday that the infection has, is back in my hip. And uh, infections are of that kind are just as dangerous as cancer. So you don't neglect and ignore them. So he has scheduled surgery for me tomorrow. So I'm, I'm glad that he's on, on the ball and he's not going to carry the, let this go out. Now, I, I jokingly told the nurse, you know, this, I'm going to come back in for my annual hip replacement. This will be number four, hip number four in this one hip. But now, let me ask you a question. My mother's favorite verse was, as for God, his way is perfect. Is that true or is that not true? Is that true? And God doesn't make mistakes. And, and God wants this for me. God has divine purpose for me in this. And he has purpose for our church in this. So we'll pray our way through this. I don't know what God's purpose is, but I don't, I don't have to know that. It occurred to me years ago, I was sitting in my office when the doctor gave me word that my wife had terminal cancer and that there would be no way to cure it, that it was going to come to an end. And I sat in my office and this came to me and I think the Holy Spirit did this in my mind and it came to me, if God is really God, now think about that, is God really God? Yes or no? If God is really God, you're going to be okay. And that is true. And if God is really God, I'm going to be okay. Regardless. Another amen. Regardless. And you're going to be okay. Regardless. Now, I asked the deacons to pray this way, that God would give me an unusual recovery. You can pray that way. And, and we'll let the Lord work it out. My... my, my Listen, how can unbelievers know the power of God if we don't go through impossible circumstances? They will never see it. They will never see it. So 
I'm praying that the presence of God will be in that surgery room tomorrow and everybody will know it. And all along the line, okay? And whatever God has for me is exactly what I want. Nothing more and nothing less. I am on board what God is doing in my life. And I want you to get on board. Okay? Will you do that? And love the Lord with confidence. And, oh, what's going to happen? No, no, nothing is going to happen that is not in the will of God because we're fully committed to Him, yes or no. And if it's in God's will, we want it to happen. All the way through. So we're, we're in this for all four feet. I've only got two, but I, I put four feet in this thing. So, so may the Lord bless us, and tomorrow at one o'clock, I, I, hopefully, I'll they'll be eliminating a problem. <laughs> and the last time they did this, uh, they, they gave me a regimen afterwards, and it, it, well, it lasted for three years, and I got three good years out of it. So let's see what the Lord does. That's his business. And it's our business to get on board, little children, and let the Lord do his work in our lives. <laughs>